after dying on the cross for our sins and being buried in the tomb, he rose after three days and, and ascended back to the Father's right hand. And the Bible says that um, through his victorious ascension, he gave gifts to the church. And the particular gifts that Paul refers to here are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. People. People are anointed uh, by Jesus and given by Jesus to the church for their maturity. And so he's just said that Jesus has given these gifts to the church until, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, it's, it's typically quite wordy, as Paul tends to write. He, he puts word upon word upon word to make his point. Um, but the idea, the main image is there is that Jesus is head of the church, we are the body of Christ, and that maturity will look like the body being in proportion to the head. So when people, very often people say, I love the idea of Jesus, but when I look at the church, I don't really get much of the same sense of Jesus. It kind of seems like Jesus is full of love and you go to the church and often there doesn't seem to be much love. Um, Jesus is full of, full of grace and truth and yet you often read of churches where there's been deception and things have gone wrong and it's kind of like their head is this magnificent, glorious uh, picture to behold but the body is just kind of like undeveloped. Doesn't, it's not in proportion. And what Paul is saying is, is, that, is that if the gifts of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are working well, it should equip the church to be able to do what they are called to do. A large part of which is building one another up so that we reach stature. And this isn't talking about numerical size. This is not, sometimes when we talk about the church growing, we're talking about numbers. That's not what this is referring to in this passage. He is referring to stature spiritual stature that the church can carry if you like um, as, as accurate ambassadors Jesus Christ his image and his message to, 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 a, to a broken world and that that world can look on and see and say because of this church maybe Jesus is real because of, because of what I'm seeing here maybe there's something in this Whereas the flip side is, is that there are scriptures in the, in the New Testament that talk about what happens when people that say they're believers um, uh, are stuck in immaturity, immature behaviour. It says as a result the nations blaspheme God. Because they say, well if, if, if these people that call themselves Christians are acting like this, then their God can't be that, can't be that, that amazing. And so they begin to have a low view of God because of the immaturity of the, of the church. And so the, the church coming to full stature is so huge on so many fronts. And I felt burdened to talk about this um, process of maturity. What it, what, what it, how, it, how it looks. And hopefully I, we'll do it in some uh, very, very vivid ways. I've got the longest sermon title in the world. Um, so this is the title of the sermon. In, in the 19th century, there were books written with titles like this. Um, so, uh, the vital importance of engaging earnestly with the serious call to Christian growth for the reputation of Christ, the good of the church, and the rescue of a dying generation. If that doesn't motivate you to mature, you might as well go now. So, th that's really the sermon. But, I really, I, I thought, listen, this is such a big topic, I need to articulate why this is so huge, even in the title. We've got to engage with this because it's for, the glory, it's for the glory of our mighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. God has no plan B. The church 
is plan A for God. For, for our own health as the body of Christ, we need to mature and engage with. What does it look like to mature? This, is, this sermon, by the way, is not a rebuke, it's not a, it's not a correction uh, by any means. It's simply just want, really having a burden to want to help us unpack how does it work. Um, because my observation is this, my observation is that we are really, really strong on the fact that because of what Jesus has done, it is finished. Yeah? Hallelujah. The work is finished. There's no, there, you know, we cannot atone for our own sin. He atoned for our sin. And so in the moment, the Bible teaches, the moment you come, that you call on the name of the Lord, that the, moment, the moment that you do that, the Bible says in that moment that you are justified, which means all legal condemnation that stood against you before the throne of God is wiped away and God declares you righteous. Before you've done one good work, before you've done one good thing, you are declared righteous through, through this crying out. Um, for coming to Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches that clearly. The Bible teaches the moment you're justified, you're adopted. You, 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 are, you are brought into the family and the Bible teaches that, that, that all, all part of this is that you, the old has gone and the new has come so that you're part of the new creation now. So it's an extraordinary sense of completion that we live with as Christians, rightly so. However, the New Testament also talks about this process of um, how can I describe various phrases like um, no, no longer being um, captive to the futile ways inherited from our forefathers. There's a walking out of old ways of thinking and old ways of living. That is a journey. There, there, there's, a, there's a maturation process. There's something that happens. Sometimes we use the word sanctification. Probably maybe, maybe an easier word to understand is transformation. There's a transformation process. The Bible says one degree of glory to another in this life. There's, there's, a constant mo- there's a constant movement in the heart of God that we become more and more restored to his image over the years that we follow him. It's very dynamic. It's very, very real. And if all we ever talk about or think about is a sense of, well, it's done, if that's all we ever talk about, then something can, something can get missed in terms of the dynamic of coming to maturity. So I want to really uh, unpack that today and hopefully I'll do it in a way that will, that will be memorable. Can we just have the first photo up? So, uh, this is um, about 12 years ago. That's me, there, and that's Levi. Um, yeah, there we are, we're having fun. Um, he's just trying to work out, where did I, look at that eyebrow he's thinking. I'm, I'm, I must grab that in a moment. Um, and then if we go to the next photo, that's me and that's Levi. Now, same, same humans, right, now... Forget me for the moment in these, but if we could just go back to the first photo and see the baby there, and then the next photo. Is that the same person? Yes? Okay. It wasn't a trick question. Now, now we've, so we've established as a foundation, yes? I want to ask you another question. Is it the same person? It's not. You've got your foundation right. It is. It's Levi. There's no way that's the same person. There's no way that is the same person. Everything about what they do, how they act, is different. Everything. It's a total transformation. In order to understand the dynamic of the Christian life, you must be able to say, 
you must be able to say from the moment where, where you first became a Christian to your most mature point, hopefully today, <laughs> from that moment I was born again to today, am I the same person? Yes. You hopefully also want to be able to say, no. Do you understand? You see, so, so if you go back to the first image, that little lump there, Levi, he's totally in the family, totally in. He's as in as he could ever be. From the moment he popped out, he was in. One of the gang. He's a listen. He, didn't, he wasn't that useful at that age. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. He's made a lot of mess and a lot of noise. But he was in. And it's a picture of, it's a picture of what happens when people become born again. You're adopted in the family through Christ. You're pretty useless, to be honest. But it's okay. You're totally in. You're totally delighted in. You're completely delighted in. Every, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, he couldn't have done anything to... to I wasn't thinking, when are you going to do things? I wasn't thinking that. I didn't remember walking around the house. I was thinking, man, life, when are you going to do some stuff? <laughs> didn't. Just delight. Just delight. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. You don't get in because of what you've done. You get in by the grace of God and you're in. And you're as in as you could ever be and it's because of the work of Jesus Christ. It's not you're in because God's nice. You're in because God in his mighty jealous love sent his one and only son to go to the depths of darkness to rescue you out. Okay? So it's not just some kind of benign, benevolent, oh God's like that. No, God had to deliver his one and only son to the depths of darkness to get you. But when he got you, you were in. Absolutely in without doing anything. Part of the family delighted in. Brand new creation. Promises, adoption, eternal life. Yes. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. But God also looks at you with that heart of love and has such desire and such dreams and such longings for what you might become. That he is as emotionally engaged, if you like, with your maturity as he is with your initial adoption. Imagine someone who adopted someone and then showed no concern for the development of that child. Imagine, I mean, it would be crazy. It would be very, very crazy, particularly because, not always, but very often, children who are adopted have, have seen some things we wouldn't want them to have seen. And have heard some stuff we wouldn't, you wouldn't have wanted, and have experienced some things you wouldn't have wanted, just like us when we get saved. Just like us. You know, imagine someone would adopt that child and then just, kind of just so would get on with it. Or, or you know what, because, because I adopt you, and because I love you, it, it's kind of cool. Just whatever, because it's crazy. There's, there's a there's a longing and a passion that, that that all that is in them, by the grace of God, might come to full maturity. You're not trying to make them something they're not, but all that is in them, you're wanting them to flourish and grow, aren't you, as a parent? Of course, of course. This is the heart of God for His children. This is the heart of God. This is the foundation. The foundation is you're in, but then you build on it, you build on it, there's, there's building that goes on. And, and I guess my concern might be that, imagine if, imagine if Levi every day came up to me and said, Dad, you still love me? Or Dad, I'm, is, it, is, it all, or is it all cool still? At some point I think, man, it's just kind of, has he not got it? See, you know, at some point, so if, that, if that's going on and on, you think, haven't you got it? What, 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 what's, what's been missed? Because you want him to know he, he's totally loved and then we can, ex- we can think about adventures and explore some stuff and see what God's doing and see what life holds. That's the heart of God. 
to produce that kind of security in his love, that, in his grace, in all that we've got in Christ, that we might start to dream together, that we might start to go on adventures together, that we might not be in that horrible scenario where you're going round and round and round in the same old place, spiritually. That's just unnatural. That's an unnatural place to be. There comes a point with your children where you want to start sharing your heart. Where they begin to not just do what they say because they're doing what they say, but they begin to imbibe the family ways in their heart. Actually, the things that the parents value, if, if the values are good and parenting is done well and the grace of God's at work, those values become imbibed and, and become the values of that child. And so they no longer have to, all the time, in the same sort of way, think, oh, I wonder what mum would think, I wonder what dad would think. They know. <laughs> they know. Why? Because they're, be, they're being changed into, the, they're carrying the family likeness. That's what maturity, maturity is you come into the likeness, more and more. And then as the children grow up, you can entrust them with more things. It might start off with, you know, tidy your room and I'll, I'll tidy it, you watch. <laughs> we tidy it, yeah, you do something. You tidy it, I'll come and check. And are you sure you want to get to the point where you just know that actually they realise that the bedrooms are better when they're not absolute chaos and disgusting? Maybe when they're in their twenties. And begin to engage with this stuff. Just, things are taught and learned, but they become part of you. This is what mature, maturation looks like. Now, I suppose I'm a bit worried in some ways that the church in the West, living in a cultural environment that is so against maturity, the air we breathe does not want us to become mature. It wants us to just kind of live crazy Peter Pan lives till, till the day we die. And blow the, you know, blow, the rest, blow the next generation. Do your thing. It's your life. Live it how you please. All of that. It is so set against maturity. And maturity is not about getting boring. Oh, ma- no, no, no. You need to really clear that up. I was, I was talking about maturity over lunch today because I was just bouncing some of the thoughts off with the kids and, and one of the kids expressed, oh, I don't like the sound of this. Maturity sounds to me like, I, I want to have fun. I said, nothing to do with not having fun. But it, is, but it is a lot to do with saying, you know what? I actually want to carry some stuff. I actually want to carry some stuff. Not in a burden some way, but in a sense of, I want to be entrusted with some things that I can do well with. That's, that's, the, that's the heart of God in the gospel, to entrust us with the message, to entrust us with gifts and talents that we might, that we might have a sense of, I've got some stuff to do some stuff with for the glory of God in partnership with him. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is why it's so exciting. This is why it's an adventure. Now, there's a little passage in Hebrews where, where the writer says to them, I say the writer because no one knows who wrote it, Hebrews, but what he says, he says, he says um, uh, he's talking about Jesus being the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. It's a long story. We'll, sure, we'll go to another Sunday. But he says, about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. And then he, he goes on and he says, let's leave. Let's leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Let's not lay again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about baptisms and washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. He says, let's not have to keep going over that again. We've laid that foundation. Let's go on. Now, what you've got to realise is, is that the milk is Jesus and the meat is Jesus. Okay? That's really important. In other words, it's not the milk is Jesus and the meat is the weird stuff. 
Yeah? We've got Jesus, now we, can, now we can go on to 666. That is not, that is not a biblical perspective. Because he says, let's go on to the more mature stuff, and then he spends four chapters on Jesus the high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. That's meat, but it's Jesus. So it's always Jesus, okay? but there are certain elementary principles, which, which the writer says, we shouldn't have to keep going over the same thing again and again. It's not healthy. Something's gone wrong if we're doing that. So if you always have to... If you, I've gone. I'm back. Oh yeah. Um, if you, you know, the, the baptism thing. Um, if you're not baptised, we, we preach baptism zealously because it's a, a central part of the New Testament. And um, I will just say to you, um, please, please come through on it. <laughs> if you say, well, what does the Bible teach? You, you've probably got your, your, your Bible on, the, on your phone, which means you can search the word baptism. Search it, find every reference, read through the New Testament, see what the Bible teaches, and apply, obey. We, sh- we, we, we shouldn't have the same conversation about this year on year on year. It's just, it's not mature. If you're always, if, if your life is like a sin confess, sin confess, sin confess cycle of the same old sins, something's wrong. Something is wrong there. I'm, I feel bad saying it. But it, it is wrong. That we'll always be working through sin. James says we stumble in many ways. Yeah, we'll always be. But listen, imagine if one of our kids went for a phase, you're not allowed to ask which one. Right? Some of you might say, oh, I'm going to find out which one again. Don't do this. They'll be horrified. Luke Ellis? Don't you dare. Um, <laughs> he's got a rapport with my kids. <laughs> one of them got into the habit in the, in the, in the evening. They put them, put them to bed. They'd just grown out of the cot. Put them to bed. Within ten minutes, they'd walk over to a certain corner and do a poo on the co- in the corner. <laughs> How does that become a habit? Don't ask me. Right? Kids, don't you love them? Every night, same kid, same corner. <laughs> right? So you think, you think, well, what do you do? So you get advice. And finally, I think there was someone in the church who'd been a nurse and she had some amazing idea and we cracked it. Yeah? If they're still doing that, if, seriously, if they were still doing that, like something's really wrong. Now, we're still working stuff through with them. Of course, we're, we're, their, we're parents, we're still helping them, they're still making mistakes. It's just life. But it's not that. <gasps> Hopefully you remember that. It'll be a vivid illustration for you. Sorry if you were a bit squeamish around that sort of stuff. Just trying to keep it real. If, you, if it's still the same old stuff, come on. We need to mature. We need to mature. We need to, we'll, we'll look at some practical things in just a moment. I'm, I'm getting to the practical stuff real soon. Let me just... Is there anything else I need to say on this? So the things need to move on. There are doctrinal things you need to move on from. Not in terms of you leaving them behind, but you don't have to go over them again. You, you've got them. Okay? But there are also things like blowing hot and cold for Jesus. Come on, guys. Let's not do that. That's, that's immature. That's immature. We all go through seasons where we, you know, it doesn't quite feel the same. It's not a mountaintop. Fine, but, you know, it is what it is. We're old enough, many of us in Christ, to know that, you know, that's, that is what it is. Um, we, 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 when we go through those seasons, if we're mature, we still do what we know is right. Yes. 
Blowing hot and cold, what I mean by that is, is that it's kind of like um, it, your relationship with the Lord is massively affected in terms of how you live, depending on how you're feeling. So it's kind of like, if you have a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, you kind of allow yourself, oh, I can just sin. And it could be coming out of anything from bitterness towards God, why have you let my life go like this, or well, escapism, or whatever. But it's, it's kind of what kids do. It's what kids do. And some of us here may be spiritual children, we're, we're very early on. You know, and uh, you know, there's, there's, there's huge allowances. <laughs> but I'm, I do want to speak to some of you that, you know, you've been following the Lord for a while and saying, come on. I want to call you to, to, to engage with this. So, um, it could be like, you know, you're throwing, throwing what I would call hissy fits, which I also might need to explain. <laughs> hissy fits is like where things don't go your way. You, 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 you basically throw a strop. You basically, you get a mood on with the Lord. Because it hasn't gone your way. Now, it's, it's totally fine to pour your heart out and be honest in your prayers to God. Of course it is, absolutely. But that's different from kind of hardening your heart because it hasn't worked out your way. That's not mature. The Lord wants to help us out of this so that we can really, really instead um, leave some things behind, embrace new things. And I would say this, environment is key. Environment is, what we're not doing for a moment is, is, saying, is saying, come on, get on with it. No. Neither am I saying, the key to this is that you must spend your whole life in Christian meetings. No, not at all. But there's some pretty big keys around, around who, who, who we are spending quality time with. And we're going to get onto that in just a moment. But I want to just answer a quick, this is not the most orderly sermon because it's more just a prophetic burden, so bear with me. One objection I felt could be this. I thought we were under grace. Followed by the hands on hips. Hold on a minute. I thought we were under grace. Yes, we are. But my conclusion is, that doesn't therefore mean, therefore it doesn't matter. That is not a New Testament understanding of grace. Here is a New Testament understanding of grace. We are under grace, therefore we've been empowered to grow out of certain things. There's a power in grace. Grace isn't just that you get let off for free. It is that. But grace is that you are empowered to pull your life out for Christ. You are no longer under the realm of sin, where when sin says jump, you've got to do it. You're now in the realm of grace, where when sin says jump, you can say, well, hold on a minute. What authority do you have to tell me to? Because I'm not under you anymore. I'm actually in a different realm now. It's called grace. And the Bible says, sin will not be my master, because I'm not under law. I'm under grace. I'm not stuck in this trap if I know it's wrong. And, and the more I know it's wrong, the worse it gets. And the more there is in me that wants to do it. That's the law realm. That's the horror of sinful people being under law. You know it's wrong, but it only makes it worse. We're delivered from that. We're now in a realm where we, we, we are, our mind can be renewed so we can be transformed. Or we can just think differently about things. So it's no longer, you know, I don't know, I, um, I, I mustn't look at that lustful image. I mustn't, I mustn't, I mustn't. It's, I'm, I, through the gospel and grace and the power of the Spirit, I'm going to learn to think about women differently. I'm going to learn to understand what does God say about women. That in, in my own, that would be for me. You know, if you're a woman, other around, if you're same-sex attracted, whatever struggles you face, it's renewal of the mind. It's renewal of the mind. Now, I believe we've got some exciting years ahead as a church. I really do. 
I genuinely believe that. I feel that we're in a, in a place where we can really see God do some amazing things. But there will be battles. There will be battles. And I, I heard a fascinating radio commentary last night. Because I'm a skinflint, I didn't, um, I didn't pay the £15 to watch the boxing that was on Sky Box Office, but I listened to it on the radio. I mean, how lame is that? But... Um, I did. And, and there, was, there, were, there, were, there, were, there were two fights that I sort of followed. And um, the first one, it, it, the guy threw the towel in. One of the guys just says, it's too much. I can't win. I'm throwing the towel in. After, I think it was round seven, the, they just they retired. The towel, the towel went in. Okay? The second fight, there's a guy called Anthony Joshua who was the favourite. And, um, and uh, he did very well in round one. In round two, he got hit by some really, really big shots. And was in really serious trouble as a boxer, in really big trouble. It looked like, actually, you know, we could be in for a surprise result here. Interestingly, in round three, four, five, six, and seven, he came out after that with just as much get up and go, ended up winning by knockout. They interviewed uh, an ex-boxer afterwards on the commentary. He said this, he said, this is the thing I've noticed most about what I saw tonight with Anthony Joshua. He said, very often you find this, when someone gets hit, they diminish. What he meant was this. He said, they still come out. They don't throw the towel in. They still come out, but they're just biding their time now. They're not trying to win anymore. They're just trying not to get hurt. He said he didn't do that. He took a real beating, and then he came out of that, and he still wanted to win. And I thought, what a powerful image for us as Christians. That is such an insightful comment for spiritual warfare. When you take a hit, and then you think, that was horrible. <laughs> You know, in whatever form the hit comes, whether it's just internal turmoil or circumstances, but you know behind it there's satanic stuff going on. You know this is warfare, and you just think, that was so awful, I'm going to just try and hang on now till Jesus comes back. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know the sort of mentality. You diminish. You no longer try and get the victory. You just sort of, ah, we'll just sit it out. That's immature. That's immature. I understand it. I sympathise with it. I would say there's definitely been seasons of my life where I think I've diminished a bit there. You know, I'm not speaking to someone from higher ground here, but I'm trying to urge us, brothers and sisters, together. Let's not do that. Let's go for the victory. Let's go for the victory, because it is ours in Jesus Christ. There's some keys to maturity here, and um, I did a little um, an acronym. So, M... Mutuality. To mature in Christ, we need each other. We need each other. God, one of God's greatest provisions for us is one another. Amen. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I can do. I can. If, if, if I if I was in a room by myself and I tried to do press ups, I might be able to do twenty on a really good day. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe more than that, right? If I'm in a gym class and someone's saying, "Come on," I can do loads. What is that? power of the external voice God gives us to one another that we can say come on and you go yeah what was I thinking let me make a bit of a subtle point here maybe not so subtle sometimes when I sin I don't need my running partner to say it doesn't matter God still loves you sometimes that's not what I need sometimes they're relaying a foundation I'm thinking that's great I'm trying to build here I want to go into maturity and sometimes, actually, the, the, what I don't need to is God still loves you. What, why? Number one, I know he does. So it's, you know, and it's fine. You know, I'm not saying don't say it. It's fine. But that, the main thing I need to hear is, Steph, I can see so much more in you than this. God has got so much more for you than this. Actually, I, that, that's really helpful. 
that's true truth in love. And you must be gentle and, you know, you don't just, you know, there's a gentleness, there's a wisdom, but actually that, that will help me to grow. The way we often grow is, is it's hands, isn't it? Pulling, helping pulling each other up. You know, we've had a victory there, I'll help pull you up. And it's like that mutuality, number one. Number two, um, authentic relationships. A, M, A, mature. It's going to sound mature, right? It's going to be really clever. Now, A, authentic relationships. If, you're, if you are not able to say, this is really where I'm at right now, then you're starting from a place of kind of pride or pretending or whatever. You'll never grow. So you've got to say, that, actually, I know it's really embarrassing, but right now, this is where I'm at. Okay, then we can, we'll, Jesus will meet us there and we'll build from there. Authentic relationships. T is training. It's not, you can't, it's not just about filling out notebooks with Bible verses. There's a training, there's a right, what, what are you in now, right now in life? Where's the challenge? Is it, what is it, difficult boss, difficult manager, difficult family situation? Right, let's find Jesus in this. Let's pray, let's, let's, let's work out what's the wisest thing. We're training, we're getting the muscles working, it's not just theory. Really important. You understanding. Then these to, the relationships you have with people that are helping you, walking with you, that you need to have a sense of we are in this together as those made of the same flesh. We have the same struggles. There's no temptation that I'm having that's not familiar to you. We all face pretty much the same stuff, just with different flavours and spices and angles on it. But it's basically the same stuff. So a sense of understanding. I'm with you, we're together, let's do this. Our resilience. What I mentioned earlier, we take hits, but we're still there, and we're still fighting. And then E, expectation. We must expect to win. Why? Because the Bible says in Christ, we are more than overcomers. So to just kind of wrap things up. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Galatians, I'm in labour. I'm in labour pains until Christ is fully formed in you. He knows there's a work of God in them, but he's longing to see Christ fully formed. That's biblical thinking. And we, was, we had a word, I think it was two weeks ago on Sunday, about that we're oaks of righteousness. Remember that word? You're oaks of righteousness. Isaiah 61. And I've thought, I've reflected on that quite a lot, because I've thought, oh, how, how, does that, how does that work? How does that look like in terms of maturity, immaturity? What does that look like? Well, if you have the first image, please, um, Nicola. That is a, that's an oak tree. That's an oak of righteousness. Can you have the next image? So is that. Now that helps us understand how it works in the gospel. As soon as you're born again, you've been planted by the Lord. You're a planting of the Lord. That, yep, you've got all that in you. But, there's a, there's, there's, but, but by his grace and by the power of his spirit and by our willing involvement, there's a journey we're going on where we get to a point where we can actually provide shade for others. We're not just trying to survive our own Christian walk. We move, we move out of that. We mature and we provide shade for others. We learn to pray for, lay our lives down for others. And we mature, we mature. And then next, you look back and you think, what's happened? I don't know what's happened. I used to not even hardly be able to walk myself. And now I'm, I'm helping others and carrying others in tough seasons. And it's the grace of God. It's all grace. It is the grace of God. But this is what he wants to make us to become. So I want to finish just by really praying for, if you just feel freshly today, I want to, I want to freshly engage in the, in the, um, in, in the process of maturing. Because there is something for us to do. We co-labour with him in this. It's not passive. It's not passive. God relates to corpses differently to relates to people that are alive. 
Before we knew Christ, we were spiritually dead. So he just brought us to life. Boom. How did I get here? He just brought you to life. But now you're alive. He's not going to relate to you in the same way as he. He wants to work with you, walk with you. He's looking for partnership. He's looking for active, enthusiastic involvement. And I want to give opportunity for those of you, you just feel freshly today. Do you know what? Yeah, I really just, I'm not, yeah, this isn't one of those ones I'm expecting, I'm expecting everyone to stand. It's just if you know, do you know what? I just freshly feel today, I really want to, I really want to say before the Lord, I want to freshly um, engage in the process of, of maturing. I, I, I know today is just a day where I want to say, yeah, I want to become a big oak of righteousness. If you'd like to stand, I'm going to just pray for us and we're going to break bread and sing to the Lord. just take a minute to just lift your own prayer to the Lord take a minute to just tell him in your own words you can do that out loud or in your mind whatever you're most comfortable with but tell him in your own words why you've stood just so important that in these moments that we recognise it's Jesus is the mediator between man and God not not the preacher and uh, you can access grace from God in this moment right now before I've prayed a word Thank you for the privilege, Lord, of being able to just open your word like this and get into your heart for us. Thank you, Lord, you've adopted us for such purpose. <laughs> so, I mean, so, thank you for the zeal. Lord, although you, although you love us because you love us and nothing will ever stop that, I thank you there's something about your love that makes you so determined to, to, to see us mature. You do so care, Lord. You do so care about that. And let's just want to say thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to pray for all that have stood. And, you know, Lord, I'm standing with them. I'm so standing right now. I just want to just ask for, for, for you'd fill us with the Spirit freshly. I pray for that, Lord, as we stand right now. I pray for hope, Lord, to, uh, to come even, even in, a, in a mighty way to uh, uh, drive out despair in Jesus' name. If anyone's carrying that in here today, I tell you, it's a subtle thing. It can start with a little thought. Ten minutes later, you think, what's the point? It's so subtle, so powerful. I really know what, you, I really know what it's like. We just pray, let the God of all hope restore hope. In hearts that I have prayed in Jesus' name, Father. Let confusion, spiritual confusion, fog and lies be blasted out, we pray, Lord, by the, by the, by the Spirit of truth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, where there's deep angst and fears and things that people stood up and they think, oh, no one knows, no one, no one knows what, about this, what I'm wrestling with right now. Father, you do. Thank you, that's the most important thing. Pray they would actually, by your spirit, you would witness to them that you do. Lord, and we pray also, Lord, for just through today, these next few days, these next couple of weeks, I do pray for brilliant friendships, running partnerships, Lord, that can really look at mutuality and being authentic and training together and understanding one another and growing in resilience together and expecting to win. I pray for that kind of thing to come into life, Lord God, that there would be real, real power. And I, pray for, I pray for running partners that are in the room and they've, or they've both or they've all stood and they recognise there's, there's some new things to talk about and new things to, new ways to engage. I pray for grace and power in that, in Jesus' name. But Lord, we look to you and we say we do dare to believe Lord that you have not given up on us 
We do dare to believe, Lord, that um, even, even the things we look at and we think, oh, what, what a mess, Lord, that you can redeem that. We dare to believe that, Lord God. We, we dare to believe, Lord, that regardless of where we've come from, in terms of our own background and our own story, that we might become mature. That maturity is there for the taking. And we just say, yes, we embrace it. And I pray that you'd keep us from that nonsense of the world where we get stuck in a childish rut. That we would be childlike, but not childish. We would be innocent with regards to evil, but, but, but in terms of our understanding, we would be adults. So I pray help us to really be wise as we walk in this world. And we would become more and more uh, restored to your image, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.